and welcome to the Energetic Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa LaFera, an astrologer, tarot consultant, all-around creative from sunny San Diego, California. And this is the 59th episode of the podcast for the week of July 1st, 2019. So let's break it down a bit. Here's what to expect. The goal is to help guide and prepare you for the utmost awareness of the energy in the moment. For if you use the energy consciously, it has a better chance of working for you. I'll kick off the show with a weekly astro report, along with a few tarot polls and our animal ambassador of the week. Then a guest will join me in conversation around a chosen topic. And this week, I am so happy to welcome back one of my favorite peoples in the world, one of my favorite astrologers, and that is San Diego-based astrologer, lecturer, and author, the fabulous April Elliott Kent. And she's going to join me in a discussion on eclipse season, summer 2019. So before we get started here, please remember, as always, take what resonates and leave the rest, because only you know you best. So thank you so much for joining me here today, and if you'd like to show appreciation for my work and get early Sunday access to the podcast for as little as $1 per month, you can do so over on Patreon at patreon.com backslash energetic principles. I also have a tip jar on the front page of my website if you would like to make a one-time donation. To access that, you can go on over to energeticprinciples.com. So let's get down to this week's astro report. Our lunar lady starts out the week in the darkest of her phases, still cruising through the intellectual air of Gemini before moving into the cardinal waters of Cancer on Monday evening. And then she will head towards her new moon solar eclipse position, which will conjunct on midday on Tuesday. She then begins her waxing cycle again as she swims through the Cancer Seas until she moves into the fixed fires of Leo on Wednesday evening. She embraces this heart-centered and drama-filled zone until Friday, uh, Friday evening when she moves into the practical Earth of Virgo and where she will remain for the rest of the weekend. So just a quick heads up that all time approximations are for North America. So if you live in Europe at about eight hours, and if you are in Australia or in the East at about 17 hours or basically the following day. And keep in mind that timing isn't always precise, as astrological transits, otherwise known as the connections that planets make to one another, have varied emphasis as they apply and separate. So it's quite possible to feel the energy sooner or later than the exact moment of contact. All right, my friends. Well, (laughs) eclipse season is officially here, and we have our solar eclipse in Cancer on Tuesday. Uh, We also have Mars ingressing into Leo to join Mercury and Venus ingressing into Cancer. Uh, And if that wasn't enough, we have Mercury, who was slowing way down in the skies to station retrograde on Sunday. So basically, there is a lot of energy shifting in the skies right now. So let us waste no time and dive right in. On Monday, we start out the week with the moon in Gemini, and she will shift to Cancer around 6.24 here p.m. on the Pacific Coast. Uh, And along the way in the day, she's going to make a conjunction to Venus. 
Also of note, on Monday, we have Mars ingressing into Leo. So Mars is leaving uh, the land of the crab in favor of the lion's den. And so, you know, what a shift the warrior planet will be making as it moves from a position of of fall and watery and sidestepping cancer and then enters the fixed roaring fires of Leo. And so our action energy is going to get a flame lit beneath it, or perhaps it's more appropriate to say that whatever fire is already burning in side, because, you know, Leo is a fixed uh, fire energy, will then be reconfigured to our drive and our assertive energies. And so Leo being a fire sign will definitely turn up the heat on the planet for everyone will have their inner lion activated in some way. And we know what it will probably look like with a bunch of king of the jungles roaming around. So needless to say, there's a likely to be some drama in the air while uh, Mars is in Leo. And with Mercury also in Leo and getting ready to station retrograde, there is extra volume in the skies as fire signs tend to, you know, turn it up to 11. Fire signs can be loud. You know, speaking as a Mercury and Leo myself, um, yes, I can project for sure. Now, there will be much more confidence in the air uh, with Mars, you know, that warrior planet getting into Leo, because Leo has that confidence of the lion with its chest, you know, uh, (laughs) kind of puffed out and and holding its space. Um, And so, Having that confidence in the air that we might have the need to take uh, risks or uh, feeling that we want to take risks or having, um, but risks in a creative way, because Leo has a a creative fire behind it. Um, But really, we are also continuing along the path of our passions and goals, uh, because that is what fire taps into as well, that passionate energy. Uh, Now, there will probably be more ego and pride in the air than normal, yet if that is used in a healthy way, we can make breakthroughs in our energy uh, to help stabilize the forward direction of you know, what it is our heart centers are telling us or what our heart wants to do. Now, especially as Mars is on the move to square Uranus next week, so that's a big key component with Mars moving into Leo, we can expect some disruption ahead. Um, Yet I think that friction is likely necessary to break up some fixed energies that need movement because this square is going to happen from two fixed signs. So perhaps we can look at it as uh, destabilizing to stabilize, (laughs) if that makes sense. Now, on a lighter note, Leo loves to love and spread joy. So put your action energy into things you love most at this time because it can be healing and invigorating all at the same time. And besides, who doesn't need a little fun and joy in their lives? Uh, So Mars is going to be in Leo until August 17th. So we will have time uh, with this energy. So the bottom line for Monday is is that we can feel life shifting in a quiet way today as Luna wanes down into her darkest phase as we prepare for tomorrow's new moon solar eclipse in Cancer. Now, in addition, energy may be a little off as Mars switches signs, you know, because it's trying to reconfigure itself. Yet, I think we're going to still be feeling a bit social, and uh, especially with the moon still in Gemini and then going to be making a conjunction to Venus around midday. Um, so there is still that element. So <laughs> things are normal, but it's also a little bit off. Um, now, the mind is likely to have an opportunity to view multiple perspectives with that moon in Gemini. So this could be a great day for intros- introspection, especially since the moon is waning down and it's quite dark. 
Um, now, in the evening, the moon is going to switch to Cancer, and so we'll probably be looking for a little downtime to kind of settle in um, into a more restful night uh, in comfort in our homes or our physical abodes, wherever you feel comfortable. Now, on Tuesday, of course, the big news for Tuesday is we have that solar eclipse in Cancer. Um, But the moon will also be making a sextile to Uranus. Uh, Then it will conjunct the sun in the eclipse. And then it will oppose Saturn later in the evening. And so the new moon solar eclipse at 10 degrees and 38 minutes of Cancer. Now, this, of course, is big news <laughs> uh, because we've been waiting for eclipse season. Um, you know, it only comes around a couple times a year, and this is a time when we have significant shifts, especially at the new moon uh, conjunction, and especially since this new moon uh, eclipse is happening on the north node. So this is a eclipse that is taking place uh, to start something um, that is, is new. I mean, new in grander ways, I guess we could say, because uh, we're always starting something new with that new moon, no matter where it touches down. But when it's aligned with the North Node and it's eclipse season, like these are bigger shifts that are taking place. Uh, now, this will happen at 12.16 p.m. here on the Pacific Coast, uh, which will be about 3.16 p.m. for those on the East Coast. Um, and so, you know, it's the, this is a significant turning point in 2019. And I mean, there's plenty more to say about it. And I'm going to leave that to my discussion with April later in the program, because, you know, <laughs> we spend the whole time talking about this. So why, why bring it up now? Um, but I will say that if you want to find out more about my own personal writing, because I always do an article for each uh, moon cycle, you can find that over at energeticprinciples.com. Or if you would like to sign up for my mailing list, which is on the front page at the bottom of my uh, my website, you can do so and it'll go straight to your inbox. And really, I only send those out twice a month. So it's, it's very, uh, it's not invasive at all as far as getting emails from me. Um, and then of course, uh, I have my Moon Animal Monthly that will be coming out on Patreon as well if you want to check that out. So the bottom line for Tuesday is, is that cancer energy will be heavy in the air as the sun and moon eclipse in the sky. And we are likely to wake up with a bit of freshness as we begin to shake off some emotional content with that sextile to Uranus. Now, the opposition to Saturn later in the day is likely to engage us in more serious considerations, which can either bring some heaviness or a need to engage with, uh, you know, the long term as our inner child will be seeking increased security. And so that's likely to be on our, 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 I'd say on our mind, but it's more a feeling that we get. Um, Now, connections and relationships may receive a test because Venus is sitting at the last degree of Gemini. Yet the energy will most likely be internal, I think, as we are kind of feeling our way around what is brewing within because, you know, this is just seeding and starting here. Now, on Wednesday, the moon is in Cancer, but we'll move to Leo in the evening here on the Pacific coast. And along the way, she'll make a trine to Neptune, an opposition to Pluto, and then a conjunction to Mars much later in the day. Um, now, also of note, on Wednesday, of course, Venus is moving into Cancer. So, uh, all right. So, out of Gemini and into Cancer. So, she's exiting because, um, you know, Venus, that's our relating. That's our uh, what we open up to, our, our sense of balance, harmony, uh, creation, grace. So, basically, you know, our gal Venus is exiting that detached and social air of Gemini and moving into a more of a, a cuddly, wuddy, wuddly. <laughs> (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, sit on the couch in front of uh, some Netflix, uh, maybe get some chocolates, maybe have some popcorn, you know, kind of just sink in uh, type of vibe. And speaking as a person with Venus and Cancer, yes, that is definitely attractive to me <laughs> a lot of the time. So here we have yet another planet in Cancer that is aligning with this eclipse season. Um, now, particularly when she opposes Saturn during the lunar eclipse in just a few weeks' time. So basically, uh, Venus is really going to go on to make all the same challenging aspects to those heavy hitters in Capricorn during her transit uh, through Cancer. Um, and... I have a, a plane. I have a military plane going over my house right now. I don't know if you guys can hear that, but I feel like it's co- the eclipse is coming in down on me right now. Um, anyways, the heavy hitters, the heavy hitters of Capricorn are coming down and feeling them. Um, all right, so you know Venus is relationship energy, so it's likely to you know uh, our needs and relationships are likely to get more security oriented, with the need to be vulnerable in our interactions. Yet there can be some battles with insecurity or maybe some resistance along the way, making it challenging to open up at times. Um, Because Venus and Cancer wants that connection, but at the same time, it's very uh, self-protective and at times defensive or maybe can go in the crab shell and retreat a bit. So Venus is going to get tossed around in in the waves while she's in Cancer, especially since it's eclipse season. And with her deferring to the moon's energy, because keep in mind, when she's in Cancer, she's looking towards the moon. What's the moon doing? Uh, You know, just know that there will be an ebb and flow with our relations as well because of that lunar energy. So flow with the water and don't be afraid to expose your sensitive underbelly from time to time because it's likely to be necessary, especially uh, since we are once again in this eclipse season. Overall, though, we will be more attracted to the comfort of home life and spending time with our family or our tribe, you know, whoever we call family. And, you know, there's probably going to be more of a craving for a sense of emotional safety and security. Uh, And the energy in the air, albeit challenging at times, will allow us to initiate new emotional starts if we are willing to open up to how we truly feel. So Venus is going to be in Cancer until July 27th. So we will be uh, more energy to the Cancer pileup. All right, so the bottom line for Wednesday is is that uh, you might want to pay attention to the dreams that have seeded in in the night prior because Neptune is going to be very active uh, while we sleep and is really highlighting, um, you know, that recently eclipsed moon. So just pay attention to those dreams. And so Wednesday is likely to be a day that brings more shifts because Venus is situating herself in Cancer now. And whenever energy is shifting, you know, it's kind of that in-between zone or kind of no man's land. Um, So we're going to feel that. And especially since Luna is going to oppose Pluto and then later on in the evening uh, conjunct Mars, it's likely that the pot is going to be somewhat stirred today. And so change is brewing and maybe cuts are being made, uh, which can set an intenser emotion emotional tone in the air, of course, you know. Um, But I think once Luna moves into Leo later in the evening, at least we'll feel that more here on the Pacific coast, um, and then approaches that alignment with Mars and Mercury and Uranus, I think the heat is going to begin to rise, um, with the evening having some potential for maybe some unexpected fireworks. Um, A night before we have our 4th of July here, so we might get two nights of fireworks as far as the skies are concerned. 
Now, on Thursday, we have the moon in Leo, and she will conjunct Mercury super early. It's it's kind of straddling the line of Wednesday and Thursday there. Both that conjunction to Mercury, a square to Uranus. And then there's going to be a trine to Jupiter much later in the evening, probably when we're doing our fireworks here in the U.S. Because, of course, as you know, Thursday is our Independence Day here in the United States, or what is known as the 4th of July, or America's birthday. So happy birthday, America. Uh, you have one heck of a solar return this year. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> all right. So we don't have any aspects going on um, on Thursday. So the bottom line is, is that this is a good day for the holiday as the moon in Leo will bring the need to engage with a little joy in life as we seek to have fun because Leo loves to have fun. And so that trying to Jupiter in Sagittarius is likely to turn up the party a notch <laughs> as we take in more and desire grander displays or, you know, just be aware, especially if you're out there having a, a few drinks or something. It's it's easy to um, uh, take in more, more, more this evening. But I imagine that this will be a great night for fireworks, um, just in general, because of the trying to Jupiter. That seems very fireworky to me from those two uh, fire signs. Now, there may be some drama in the air as passionate energy is turned up, which can bring heartfelt and animated times with those that we love. Yet there, you know, do note that there is extra heat in the air, making it easy to blaze up whatever it is we encounter. So, you know, count on the world being a little fired up at this time. And do note, we want to note, because right now Mercury is starting to play those tricks because it's preparing to station on Sunday. So by the time we get to midweek, later week here, uh, that those Mercury tricks are going to be, um, uh, yes, firing off. <laughs> Pardon the pun. All right. So on Friday, we have the Moonstone Leo, but she doesn't make any exact aspects uh, today, at least as far as the Pacific Coast is concerned. And so the bottom line for Friday is, is that we are maintaining that Leonin tone today as the moon is void in the skies. And, is, and you know, it's just best to kind of go with the motions um, when we're at the tail end of the sign and there's no aspects uh, happening. So we're kind of just rolling through the day. And we're likely to still be in our heart center, making this another day to find enjoyment in life and, you know, with the people that we love. And really creative energy is likely to be around too. Um, So this is a a perfect day to like be in the moment and engage with the now and maybe even be a little bit spontaneous with just kind of um, uh, going with what, what your heart tells you or what's on offer in the moment, because you never know what might come of it. Now, Saturday, the moon is in Virgo um, and will sextile Venus, make a trine to Uranus, a sextile to the sun, and then a square to Jupiter um, later in the evening there. And so once again, on Saturday, we don't have any aspects perfecting, but just keep in mind this whole weekend, Mercury is stationing. So that is its own overarching aspect itself, most certainly. And so the bottom line for Saturday is, is that our lunar energy shifts towards increased practicality and urgency because remember, we're in Virgo now. And so our emotional selves may slow down a bit and become more hyper-aware of the details of reality. And so this is a great day to get some tasks done as we have the attention for it. And there is also an extra boost of uh, that innovative fix-it type of energy as Luna trines into Uranus and Taurus. So this is a great day to kind of look at the details, maybe fix some things up, understand things in a different way, uh, get some things done, (laughs) you know. And so I think 
think we will be feeling quite good as long as we just attend to our to-dos. Because if we don't attend to those little things, that's where we might get a little cranky. Um, but after that, we can engage in some downtime for we'll be feeling through and kind of analyzing our future trajectory, especially with that square to Jupiter. Uh, just be sure not to get too caught up in the Pacific, uh, the Pacific, not in the Pacific, the specifics, <laughs> as that can lead to doubt. Because, you know, if we're analyzing everything and getting into the nitty gritty of just about anything we're, you know, putting through our brains, uh, we can start to doubt that or there would be uncertainty or we could just get mired down in the details. Um, So just don't get too caught up in it. Yet there's a lot uh, of... you know, there's essentially a lot to review right now because Mercury is pre- uh, preparing to station. So it's a double-edged sword in in some ways. Now, on Sunday, uh, we have the moon in Virgo, and she will trine Saturn, oppose Neptune, and trine Pluto, all as we're basically waking up. So all the action will happen early on in the day. Um, But of course, we have Mercury stationing on Sunday, so that's action in itself. Uh, All right, so let's get down to this Mercury retrograde. And so Mercury is going to station at 4 degrees and 27 minutes of Leo, And so we have quite a Mercury retrograde upon us, I have to say. (laughs) Now, unlike the retrogrades that took place earlier in the year in the sign of Pisces, this retrograde will have two flavors to it as the messenger uh, moves in its apparent backwards motion. Because keep in mind, planets don't actually go backwards. It just looks that way from our Earth-centric view. Um, Now, so the messenger is basically going to start in Leo and then it's going to end up in Cancer. So to recap the basics of Mercury and its retrograde cycle, for those who are, are haven't heard of this before or need a refresher, this is really a period where our mind takes the time to reprocess, review, reassess, reevaluate, basically all the re's. And that is why acting on brand new ideas that come to us, you know, out of the blue during this time is discouraged because this is not about forward movement per se, um, at least on something new. But it's more about that re-re that I just mentioned. So we're going to be doing a lot of (laughs) re-re during the retrograde. For it's better to attend to old projects or old considerations that have yet to be finished or need to be reworked in some way. And so it's not about starting new. It's about uh, going back over things uh, and reworking. Now, Mercury is caught up in some significant energies as it, it, you know, it nearly perfects a square to Uranus as it stations. Um, So, I mean, just saying that, there could be something that comes up during, uh, as Mercury is stationing here this weekend, that gives a lot, you know, something unexpected. We hear something, we feel something, comes up within us, gives us a lot to think about, uh, and it's kind of that added, like, last little you know, catch that comes in that's like, what? And then Mercury retrogrades. Um, so, you know, we, and then it will finally perfect that square once it goes direct and gets out of the shadow. So that's kind of like, there's a little bit of, um, uh, not a little bit, there's a lot of Uranian action that is seeding into this Mercury retrograde. Um, not only that, though, Mercury is going to bat, once it, it retrogrades, it's going to back up and conjunct Mars for the second time, which it's already done one pass, but this is going to be the next pass in the retrograde cycle. And then when it goes to eventually station direct um, on the uh, 31st of July, 
It's going to be doing so on our lunar eclipse degree, where the sun was during our lunar eclipse, uh, just two weeks after that eclipse takes place. So this Mercury story is very much tied up in our summer eclipse energy and why it's different and why it's so important. And so my guess is, is that this retrogradation is going to line the intellect with the passions of the heart and then go on to reassess that life-giving fire, you know, that Leo fire, to see if it is matching our emotional sphere. Um, And it's really important to understand your feelings as they are guideposts in life. And I think we are going to get some quality downloads into our healing process through this retrograde. Um, And it's very likely that changes of heart may be upon us, especially when Mercury stations direct on that Cancer eclipse point. For cardinal signs are known as pivot points, where the energy can initiate through redirection. So take the time to invite the fires of your heart to create some steam with the emotions of the soul. For what was fixed and always living within can now be birthed into being, creating new life that focuses not only on our true desires, but raises the bar on our quality of life. So it is going to be an active Mercury retrograde, to say the least, or a fruitful one, I guess I could say. Now, Mercury is going to be retrograde until July 31st and won't leave the shadow phase until August 14th, which is shortly around the time when it's going to square Uranus there. Uh, and we also have Jupiter stationing direct that day, Uranus going retrograde. Uh, so <laughs> FYI, for mid-August, there'll be some uh, some action going on then. All right, so the bottom bottom line for Sunday is, is that this may be another morning where we wake up from some heady dreams because we have that opposition to Neptune and that trine to Pluto. So do take note of what comes in because I could give, uh, you know, solid Mercury retrograde fodder. Um, Now, we are still on the reserved Earth of Virgo, and Luna is tapping into a stationing Mercury, which is likely to make this day seem a little funny as Mercury will be playing his tricks. Uh, And it may be best to take this day easy, and there may be plenty on our minds as that energy is shifting, uh, and reassessment is on order as we examine the nuts and bolts of our lives. Um, So there's a lot of heady energy on Sunday, and Mercury will definitely be doing some things. All right, so to wrap it all up here, uh, you know, lots of shifts are taking place this week as Eclipse Energy enacts new beginnings and all the personal planets are changing in their dynamic in some way. Trickster Mercury will be out to play as the messenger stations retrograde, so navigate this week with caution and try not to push too hard. All right, so now let's take a look at the cards because they always add a little extra something-something. And this week I drew the Seven of Wands as the focus and the Four of Swords as the grounding. Now, with the Seven of Wands as the focus, we are likely to find ourselves this week in a place where there is a bit of resistance or a need for persistence, a resistance of persistence, um, as we are challenged by our goals and the competition or opinions of those outside of us. I like to look at it as a spiritual test in some way, where we may have to defend our moves or the next steps we intend to take, and there can be an overall lack of settledness in the air. And we may have to stand up for what we believe in or hold our ground on a matter. And there is likely to be an essence of pushback in the air, whether it's internal or external. So there's kind of just that feeling of resistance in a way. 
Now, with the Four of Swords as the grounding, the best thing we can do if we are feeling resistant or comparative to another person um, or thing or, you know, whatever's going on, uh, or even if you feel like the world is against you in some way, you know, which it it happens, um, you know, take a breather and allow yourself a bit of rest and meditation, Uh, especially with all the planets shifting this week and that solar eclipse energy, Mercury stationing. Like, this is not a week to push too hard, even though we are feeling that resistance and that push of the seven of wands. Um, so by allowing yourself that, you know, that rest and that meditative um, experience, this will help you get clearer on your goals and what you are passionately going after. Because we just don't want to charge ahead. We want to be clear on what it is we uh, intend to do and where we're headed towards. So recharging your batteries will help to give perspective through inaction rather than burning out as we fight whatever fires crop up. Um, Because it's like fire here, you get that one out, fire there, another one out. And so it can just be hard to keep up. Um, And so there's nothing wrong with taking a time out. For a rested and calm approach will make us more effective in the end, I think. Now, last but certainly not least, this show is brought to you by this week's Animal Ambassador. The spider. Itsy bitsy spider went up the water spout. Down came the rain and washed the spider out. Out came the sunshine and dried up all the rain. And itsy bitsy spider climbed up the spout again. Our eight-legged friend is here to ask that we embrace and trust in the creative spark this week. Because we do have that Cancer and Leo energy going on. There's a lot of creative energy in this air. Um, And so our feelings are looking to be expressed. And the best way to do that uh, would be maybe in some form of writing, whether it's journaling or songwriting or if you uh, are like poetry or even uh, playing with some fictional tales of some sort. So whatever comes to you this week, be sure to write it down and follow up on your fertile imagination uh, because it's trying to express something, something, you know, there's a Leo energy is very expressive. uh, So we can tap into a lot of that creative energy right now. And so we can get closer to ourselves through this process. Um, And it isn't about impressing anybody with your work as it's more about finding catharsis uh, through the use of the word. Because sometimes if we have a lot of things in our head or there's a bunch of jumbling around, we're trying to process it all. If you write it down and you just look at it, or even if you're feeling things, you're not even trying to process it, you just have an over, the mind is on excess. Write it down. Get it out of the brain because that will bring, uh, you know, that will help rest the mind in some way and bring awareness in the process. And also, Spider reminds us that we are constantly weaving the web of our own creation. So take a look this week at the web you are weaving and make sure the story you are creating for yourself is one that you would truly like to live. And I think that is really the the meat of this spider energy this week since we are in eclipse season. Because what does your web look like? What are you building? What are you weaving? Uh, is that what you want to weave? Do we need to uh, <laughs> weave in this direction? So just take a good look at that this week and, and maybe writing some things down might be beneficial. 
Now, if you'd like to go deeper with the energy of the week and how I'll interact with you personally, I encourage you to check out my tarot subscription on Patreon. Uh, and so this week we were working on a changing landscape because we have this eclipse season. So uh, this week's spread is very much tied into the, the whole of the eclipse season and how that will play out for you. So if you want to uh, find out more or check out a freebie spread, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com backslash energetic principles. Okay, now let's meet our guest. All right, I am so happy to welcome back this week's very special guest. We have April Elliott Kent with us. How are you doing, April? I'm okay. I'm doing okay. I was telling you before we started, I'm sort of battling a little bit of a sinus issue. So if I'm a little foggy, I'm going to blame it on that. Life is good. Otherwise, life is good. Did this come on yesterday by any chance? It kind of came on first thing this morning. Oh, okay. So I was was feeling great. You know, I took all these walks and stuff and was feeling wonderful. And this morning I woke up and ugh. (laughs) Just just foggy and fuzzy and nasty. So, but why? What what were you saying? Oh, I was just thinking about all those. Well, well, as we're taping this, we are in the last quarter moon in Aries, basically. Um, But that day before we had all that Pisces, um, and water energy going on with the Pisces moon. And we had a bunch of stuff going on. Well, obviously the cancer pile up, which we're going to be talking about here today with the clip season um, that we are uh, now embarking upon. But I'm just thinking about with all this water, she's talking about her sinuses. I'm talking about a, a, a drip that I have in my kitchen that just keeps repeating itself and has been fixed like four times and keeps dripping. So all these drips. <laughs> Yes, we've just been dripping. And Aries rules the head, of course, now that I'm sitting here thinking about it. So um, anything with sinuses and headaches generally and stuff, we would, we will just, we will just chalk that up to our friend Aries. Our friend Aries, and we have Chiron and Aries right now. And and even uh, April's like, you're going to make me a believer maybe in Chiron (laughs) with all this. (laughs) And it's actually not that I don't believe in Chiron as a symbol. I think, I think Chiron probably could be one of my favorites if I gave it a fair shake, but it's the, um, you know, I I have this rather well-documented aversion to people blaming all of their problems on Chiron. Yeah. (laughs) I need my woundedness, you know, so I'm so wounded because I was like, well, yeah, okay, but, you know, let's, let's move past that. Let's get on to the healing part. Yeah. Well, has Chiron become the scapegoat for, <laughs> for right. all the- healer, not the wounded scapegoat people. <laughs> yeah. Healer, healer. Oh, <laughs> That's oh. funny. Oh, I love it. Uh, so actually, our, well, so we're into a conversation that uh, A has nothing to do with what we're talking about and B has no flow with the... <laughs> But it clearly does have to do with what we're talking about because it's what we're talking about. So. Yes, exactly. You know, we got that from a very sensible place was you were talking about the quarter moon and now it's sitting right there with uh, Chiron and... Oh, um, yes. yes. Yeah, so we got there legitimately. We did, we did. Um, but now my, my, now my mind's swirling around. So, you know... <laughs> If you haven't, uh, April's been on the podcast a couple times before. Uh, I think we talked this earlier this year about the astrology of 2019, where we did bring in this eclipse action, um, which we'll expand upon now that time has gone on and there's a little more understanding <laughs> there. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, so uh, April, for those who haven't heard you before, you know, just give a look, the listeners a little background on yourself. A little background on myself. Well, I am a 
full-time astrologer. It's my job. And um, I have had this job since about 1990 or 1991. So it's been a good long time, close to a Saturn cycle, I think. And I am a writer. I've written several books. I keep a website called BigSkyAstrology.com, which I've been doing since I think I registered that domain in the year 2000. Um, and that is what I do. I used to specialize in uh, wedding electional astrology. I don't do that really these days. And I never think of myself as a relationship astrologer, but every time I speak at a conference or something, I always seem to be doing relationship things. So. <laughs> Talk it up to the moon in the seventh house and you know and there we are yeah that's what the people want of you <laughs> i'm telling you it's what my public demands yes, their public demands that relationship <laughs> access although she has a beautiful relationship her and her husband are just so fabulous they make me happy whenever bill, bill cuckoo yes yeah. <laughs> well, well, you, marry, you marry a libra you just got it me you know <laughs> Oh, well, speaking of astrology, before we get started into our eclipse segment, I I figured I would do a little series. I don't know how long I'll be carrying this through, but I'm just curious uh, what sparks people's interest in astrology. Um, You know, you don't have to go into like a crazy, long, detailed story, but you know, what was it that was like called you into astrology or that you were like, wow, what's this world? (laughs) Well, it's not a crazy long story. It's actually a pretty boring one, but... (laughs) When I first moved to California from the farm, um, I'm you know pretty young kid at that point, ten or eleven years old, and I had this cousin who's a callous sophisticate, and she said, "Oh, well, we're both Leos," and I had never heard that word, so I was instantly intrigued. So she introduced me to that, and you know, a few years went by, and I ran across Linda Goodman's sun sign sitting on somebody's coffee table. And I was off to the races. And after that, I always dreamed of being an astrologer. And I didn't even know what an astrologer did. <laughs> I think I just like the word and I like the symbols. And um, next thing you know, old Jed's a millionaire. And I'm like, I think it was about around my Saturn return that I started finally setting with a teacher and got serious about it and made the big leap a couple of years later. Yeah. And here you are to... Yes, here you are today. It's funny uh, when uh, what started this was my uh, guest on uh, yesterday's, not yesterday's, last week's program. Uh, I had asked her, and she said she's like, "Oh well, I was a Linda Goodman girl." <laughs> so I have a feeling Linda's going to be tying into a good amount of stories for. That was the book that launched, you know, a thousand astrology careers because nobody had run across anything quite like it. And up to that point, I was sitting cross-legged in. Walden books in the mall and reading Alan Leo and stuff. I mean, you know, it's kind of the best you can do, but that was incredibly accessible. And I think it really influenced me a lot uh, when I started writing astrology and things, hopefully not quite as um, hmm, florid (laughs) as her writing, but I mean, the, the friendly and accessible part really spoke to me. Yeah. Well, and that's the one thing about, uh, not the one thing about April's books, but her her books and the way she teaches, and I'll toot her own horn here, is that she just gives really practical, uh, you know, application and knowledge, but also fun with the way of looking at it. And so, I mean, even your book is called the Practical Guide. <laughs> what was yeah, the exact title? Practical Astrology. And what was nice about that book was I always write best when I have an assignment, and my assignment on that book from the publisher was write something for somebody 
who's interested in the subject and wants to dive deeper into it, but does not have hours and hours every day Hmm. to get into it. So the idea was to write something that was kind of friendly and approachable and broke it down in bite-sized bits so that you can kind of open it up at any point and get a little something out of it. So, well, thank you for that, because that is what I try to do, is make it and help people see astrology in their real lives. It's around us constantly. And we, you know, especially when you're starting out, it's harder to see that. You think of it as something kind of separate from you and it's yes. not at all. Yeah, these mystical symbols that are lying in this wheel. And it's like, no, that is, it's so literal of everything around you. And people are constantly speaking their chart to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and the world is speaking its own uh, transits to you. And it's, yeah, it's, it's actually quite practical <laughs> once you start looking at it because yeah, it's uh, fun when you get to that point and you know i think um they they let me choose the uh the adjective you know for the title they just knew it was gonna be about astrology and it was this guide that was called the essential guide of uh, the series called the essential guide and it's just practical because it made me think of when i grew up on the farm people really did use astrology they used the old farmer's almanac And these were not woo-woo people. These are practical, dirt-covered, overall-wearing people. Mm -hmm. And they would consult the farmer's almanac in the phases of the moon before they would plant, before they would harvest, and before they would cut their hair, and before they would, you know, uh, butcher the hogs and everything they did. So really, I came from that tradition, I think. Oh. Yeah, interpreting the world. Well, and there's even a cow on the cover of the book. I know. I know. (laughs) Because it had this really boring cover when the original publisher did it. It looked like a textbook. And I never liked it. And when I got the rights back to the book and we published it, I was so delighted to put a little cow on there. Oh. It's it's just a little nod to my rural upbringing. Yeah, you were like the the first cover was just a little too practical. It was a just too, too practical. The cover was a little too practical. We had to get that cow in there. Yes, yeah, a little whimsy. So that's kind of funny when you think about it. You know that uh, people living on the farm for centuries were, <laughs> you know, pretty much their own type of you know at least lunar based astrologer. Right. As they yeah, so the po- power of cycles, as we say, <laughs> that's very true. You know that that's a very cyclical life. Yeah, you no, know, and you're really in tune with the cycles of nature. So people would use that kind of thing and not think of it as something esoteric or something magical in the least. Yeah. You have to learn to cooperate with the earth when you're trying to get something out of it as complicated as farming. So. That's really, uh, I could probably, I could probably do a whole podcast just on that. My mind is like twirling and swirling oh, and yeah. just thinking about like the, <laughs> uh, you know, you have that working with the earth essentially is what I was thinking of. Yeah, as you're, yeah. we're used um, to thinking of it, you know, if we think of earth-based religions like Wicca and things like that. Um, that instantly springs to mind, but that has a real mystical component to it as well. Yeah, because mm-hmm. how people live their lives. Well, because yeah. modern astrology, for the most part, uh, you know, we were looking so much at other people, or, or not other people, I mean, us as astrologers are, but uh, we're looking at our own lives and, you know, especially the psychological aspect of things. Yeah. And I'll have people write me, uh, one listener in particular, um, who's like, well, where's the earth involved in this? Where's the environment? Where is this? And so that just kind of touched back into my mind about ways of working with the cycle of the, the earth uh, that we forget about because we're so, you know, in our own spheres, doing our own things, or what about me, you know? <laughs> no, I mean, the earth is right in the middle of the wheel, you know? It's kind right. of like, 
it's our vantage point. It's where we're sitting in the cosmic theater, watching all these things projected around us. And, uh, but we do, we do forget that. And I'll talk more about it when we talk about um, the lunar eclipse in particular, but you know, there definitely is an element um, to lunations where I think the earth really comes into its own and it's really important. Mm, yes. Well, and so speaking of cycles, <laughs> speaking yeah. of grand cycles and moon cycles, that's what we're talking about here is uh, this eclipse season uh, that is underway as this airs. Um, the day that this airs to the public, you know, we will be a day out from our solar eclipse in Cancer um, at, what do we got here? We got 10 degrees and 38 minutes of Cancer. It's going to be happening uh, July 2nd here on the Pacific Coast at 12.16 p.m. Um, and then, of course, two weeks Later, almost exactly two weeks later, within a couple hours time frame, <laughs> we'll have a lunar eclipse in Capricorn at 24 degrees and four minutes of Capricorn um, around 2.38 p.m. here on the Pacific Coast on July 16th. Both Tuesdays, both Mars days. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, yeah. So, uh, I mean, where do we even start here? <laughs> uh, well, yeah. I mean, you were, you were talking, you know, on your notes here about... Um, the fact that these eclipses are falling along the Cancer and Capricorn axis, Mm -hmm. which might be a good place to start because, you know, you can look at eclipses in your own birth chart and that's something I really love to do. But I think if we start from the outside and work our way in, we can see that uh, the the nature of eclipses is really about crisis. It's about change. And crisis we think of as such a negative concept, (laughs) such a negative word. But really what it means is you've taken a particular course of action as far as you can reasonably take it. Now it's time to turn around and move in a new direction. That's all a crisis is. It's like the turning point in your narrative, in your story. Mm. So I think the sign axis that the eclipses are falling in describe the collective crisis. What are we all at a turning point with? And I didn't used to, when I worked with eclipses, think quite so much about whether they were happening at the north node, the moon, or the south node. Mm. But now it's the the underpinning of everything that I do with eclipses because it's instructive to know that if we're looking at a collective crisis around family, parents, ancestry, home and relocation, taking care of other people, and on the other side, career ambitions and responsibilities and reputation, and you can hear, you know, Cancer and Capricorn and those concepts. It's important to know what is it that we have outgrown, what is the path we've taken as far as we can, and what where are we turning and needing to move, and what is the the nourishing direction that we need to move in. So we're doing this little pivot on the Capricorn stuff, you know, on the Saturn and Pluto and South Node and all this scary energy sitting there. And it says we've really taken personal ambition as far as we can Hmm. as a people. And isn't it time that we turned around and moved more in the direction of how are we all related rather than how are we all separate? Capricorn's such a lone wolf. Yeah. So not so much how, how do we all need to pursue our own individual um, ambitions on our own? And where would it be helpful for us to take all the things that we've learned in the South Node and in the Capricorn experience, how to be responsible, how to structure things, do all of that but move it toward the North Node in Cancer, which is about how do we build a society we really want to live in? (laughs) Not not an economy, 
but a society, you know, and, um, being, being close to each other. And, um, I was recently, as you know, Mel, on a trip over in Tucson, I had embarked on this speaking trip and my cat got sick. And I get this call uh, from my panicked neighbor saying she has to take the cat to the emergency vet. And the next morning, you know, after I talked to the hospital and everything, and, you know, she's going to be in the hospital for a few days. And I'm, I was supposed to go on and do a talk in another city a few days later. And I'm sitting there outside. We just checked out of the hotel. I'm like, okay, do we head back for San Diego? Or do I go and fulfill this professional obligation? which I take really serious. I've got Saturn and Capricorn. Yes. <laughs> but when I, when I meditated on this and I thought, well, the South knows in Capricorn and it's telling me to go on to the next city. The North node is in cancer and it's saying, go to take care of your baby. So at that moment, no problem making the decision. And I think that's sort of a, you know, a microcosm of this energy we're all experiencing which is if you're stuck between two choices and one of them leads in the direction of what do I do because it's good for my career <laughs> or whatever. Um, and versus what is the path with heart? Mm. So, yeah, that's how I'm thinking of this axis. I'm right there with you on that one. And I, I mean, I was even at a party this weekend um, and I kind of brought up those similar themes to people and like, they were just li- like listening to me intently and everyone was like, that's exactly what I'm going between in, 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 you know, inside right now. Like this is, <laughs> you know, I think we are all there on some sort of level. Um, and we will say uh, that Kitty is doing better now. So for those who are beautifully well i'm happy to report yes she needed that love that extra love that was given helped you know i think she did she's getting kind of old that's the capricorn part yep (laughs) and she's needing to get fluids every day that's the cancer part (laughs) so we've just added that into the rotation of veterinary tricks that we're already performing on her each day yeah so well so yeah it's a whole scene but yeah well and you feel better about yourself within making that decision too because like it felt more comfortable right because like you were saying before with capricorn kind of being that lone wolf because essentially you know cancer and capricorn obviously this is an uh, an opposition here uh Mm -hmm. and cancer just by nature is is or sorry capricorn by nature just very dry and separative um versus cancer which is all about connection and merging together and and that type of thing um so so we're seeing that theme all over the place um and I love how you brought up the idea of like, you know, what kind of world do we want to live in? Uh, not what kind of economy do we want to live in? Because that's like you turn on the news or any politician for the talking point. It's economy, economy, economy. And it's like, who, what, what does that even matter when like life isn't rich? You know, if life isn't rich, what does it matter what stocks are saying or what, uh, you know, proceeds are coming in or even what your own bank account looks like? Mm-hmm. And I think that's why a lot of people um, that are put in the possession, positions of great wealth, they get so disconnected from what that looks like because it's probably not even part of their sphere. And then they have their own like obsession in the accumulation of it. Because really Cancer and Capricorn are really, um, you know, money signs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, security-oriented, um, right? Yeah, it's a question of where does the security come from? 
And for Capricorn, and, and look, nine years from now, the North Node is going to be in Capricorn. So that's the direction we will need to go then. Yeah, cycles. So it's all a question of balance. <laughs> so it's just that right now, it says we've gone a little too far down the road of Capricorn. And Saturn Pluto is sitting there looking very scary and saying, if you don't take care of this stuff and your portfolio and all of this, horrible, dire things are going to happen to you or whatever. And cancer right now is the path forward that says, but if you have people you love who love you, then you're golden. And if you don't have that, you know, all of the great portfolio action in the world isn't going to give you that sense of contentment. So yeah, it's a balance and we'll, we'll be on the other end of it soon enough. They were just in that cancer place. We are. And we're seeing it everywhere. Like, I mean, you see it, it, it's, it's very apparent because obviously our world <clears throat> is uh, screaming in many ways right now. <laughs> We're all screaming at each other. But of course, you know, as these eclipses are approaching, and this is, has been in the news and has been very much a focal point for a while now, but it's really escalating more and more, is the, you know, the immigration issue and the ICE issue and the children being separated from their families and the inhumanity of the situation. You know, they're literally, they're comparing these to, you know, um, being essentially in prison, which is a, once again, a very, you you know, Saturnian type of thing where, you know, barricaded in something and you're, you're lacking, uh, you know, they're lacking basic, you know, supplies to take care of themselves, you know, the care oriented there. And so that's coming up. Um, and we can see these kind of like leaks in our, in our government and our systems and what's happening, uh, there. And, and also like the, the hashtag of, um, I'm seeing the hashtag everywhere. This is so Saturn Pluto conjunction of uh, hashtag late stage capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> that's cute. It's everywhere. Yeah, I mean, but, and that really, it, it just says it, the whole thing so elegantly, doesn't it? Because it says, as you note, they're both very security oriented signs. Mm. The question is, what is security? If you go too far down the road of security is we close ourselves off completely from everyone in order to not get breached and have our own little quiet ecosystem here and walls of all kinds, figurative and literal. Mm, yes. That takes us into South noting Capricorn with Saturn and Pluto territory. And it says the meaner you are, the better. The more separate you are, the better. The crueler you are, the better. And the North Node is just saying, you're not going to like that in the long run. That's yeah. not going to be good for you, and you're going to know it. And you're going to get... And what happens with eclipses is we reach the point of crisis And the reason we often experience it as such a difficult and such a negative thing is because we have had to be pushed very hard out of the South Node and the comfort zone and toward the North Node. Mm -hmm. So ultimately, it works out for the good. But at the moment, it feels very scary because not all change is something that we willingly make happen for ourselves. It's sometimes voiced upon us. And that is why we tend to fear things like eclipses mm. because they're very Uranian in nature. They kind of seem to come from nowhere. But then when we look at what's actually happened and how we got there, we can see it wasn't sudden at all. Yeah. <laughs> it's been coming for a long time. It just seems shocking. And suddenly it's like, oh, well, I guess now I actually have to. It's like someone's been eating wrong for 20 years and they have a heart attack. Oh, I guess I have to do something about it now. Yeah. That's a crisis. 
but it's a crisis. It gives you an opportunity to change things so that you can, you know, hopefully keep living. And that's just sort of how I think of the eclipses mm. as being that thing that pushes you out of the South node towards the North node. And just to remember and appreciate all that we have that we've gotten from the South node. Mm. It's not trash. It's good stuff. You know, like I say, we've learned about taking care of ourselves. This country, probably in a lot of ways, there were some areas in security that need to be needed to be tightened up or whatever. Oh, yes. And I think we've just gone <laughs> way overboard. You know, if you look at where we started with this, we haven't had this exactly kind of exact eclipse cycle since the year 2000, which is just before 9-11. Yes. We know and, that. and by the same, I mean with the North Node being in cancer and having eclipses. Yeah. So we've come a long way and we learned a lot along the way, not all of it done very well. And here we are now and um, get to sort of reassess and say, okay, well, we did a lot of good tightening up down there. Now let's, you know, re-examine, as you say, the things that make it all worthwhile. Yeah. Make us all feel connected. And it, well, and it's, it speaks to, it well, it speaks to the U.S. chart as well, just because, I mean, we're talking here from, you know, United States of America. So it's, it's very much tied up in the, in the chart of our nation. Too. So um, it's two not, days before our birthday. Chart. Yeah, exactly. So there, so our, our nation is basically caught in, in kind of the, uh, the crisis of the eclipse essentially, and the, these eclipse seasons, mm-hmm. um, the one that we're talking about here now in the summer, the one that's coming up uh, around Christmas time, and then even back in, um, well, and then last Christmas time and the summer before that. Because so <laughs> I feel like April and I first touched on the eclipses back in the summer of 2018 when we were talking uh, um, about this. But as you were talking, it, it made me start to think about. Not, I mean, not only the United States chart and how we're really tied up into it, but just the energies of water and earth in general. Um, and depending on how they work in your own chart or how you, because if crisis is coming to um, uh, the physical nature of reality and the emotional and relationship area of reality, those are some of the hardest things to, you know, we're not talking about conceptual thought of air or, you know, the possibilities mm-hmm. out there or what we're passionate about or what the heart says. These are like, tangible things that mean that are very important to most of us on this planet. And so perhaps just the, the opposition to begin with is just maybe a little bit harder because of the nature of the area of these signs. Yeah. We're more apt to see critical events that happen on an external level with some eclipses. It does seem to be a lot more internal yeah, and psychologically based these might be a little more physical and easy to see. Um, yeah, that's well, a good point. Well, because I was just thinking, you know, like when people come with problems, not all the time, but I mean, you might re- resonate this. A lot of times our problems have to do with either uh, career and money, mm-hmm. you know, the earning potential, or our problems have to do with relationships. Either you're seeking mm-hmm. one, one's not going so well, or you want to take it to the next level, or, or even getting your wedding chart looked at. <laughs> Know, but those seem to be like, you know, a lot of times the, the, the top areas that people are looking, um, are interested in or worried about or, you know, mm-hmm. those types of things. And so, I don't know, it just made me think of like, maybe it's ex- extra, extra <laughs> with the clips. I think it is extra. I think, I think anytime with cancer and Capricorn too, it's the parental access. Mm. And that is our first experience of safety. It's the first things that really matter to us. 
after we're born. Am I being nourished? Am I safe? Am I warm? And they're really primal things. And this is an axis that really tips that off. And the last time we had eclipses in this axis was right after or right around the time of um, the economic collapse mm-hmm. of 2008, 2009. Of course, Pluto had just gotten into Capricorn too. Yes. Uh, which is not an inconsiderable um, you know, part of this picture. But certainly the eclipses were really have, have been hitting us, I think, ever since. And you could really go back to 2000 and 2001 and say this has all been part of a long cycle of us trying to figure out how to feel safe. Mm-hmm. This is not, in particular in the United States, this is not a country that was used to not feeling safe. We're very, you know, we've gone through two world wars and they never touched our shores other than Pearl Harbor and Hawaii. But in terms of the continental United States, we've never been hit. So it's, we're new at this. We're new at being fearful. And, yeah. Well, that's fascinating. You bringing up the, this, the last time we basically entered this cycle in 2000 and, you know, we had the homeland security, you know, all these types of things. Because it's really just coming down to a na- the, the idea of security and not only security within the nation, but obviously security with ourselves and our own lives and feeling secure in what we're building, um, but also uh, listening to the heart and the emotions and what we need in life to know when maybe things that have been worked on for a long time or that are now sucking our energy. <laughs> I like I like the term energetic slavery because that made me think about um, just, you know, especially when you're really Saturnian type of people, which I think April and I both have a lot of <laughs> Saturn, you know. You're not strangers to it. Yeah, you'll find that you, you, you there's just almost a natural quality to bust your hump. Um, but then at, to what extent are, do you bust that hump <laughs> and for how long? And is it really getting you anywhere or is it and taking- in the service of what? Yeah, exactly. In the service of what? Because where I get stuck in my own, my own career, in my own job, is when I'm too much into my head of what's my strategy? How am I going? You know, where are the numbers? Blah, 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 blah. And if I get out of that and I move towards the Cancerian part of, why am I doing this in the first place? Oh, right, because I like connecting with people about their lives. And that's where the mind has to dwell, you know, during this time of what is all of this infrastructure we've built with Capricorn, with Saturn, Pluto, what is it all in service of? And it's, if the answer is not family, then it's the wrong answer because family, of course, is not just the people that we share blood with, but the people that we share the world with. Yeah. Yes. I'm, I'm, on my head, I'm hearing, we are the world. Leave it your head, Everyone can thank me for that now that it'll be in your head for the rest of the day. Um, <laughs> Well, this eclipse too, the solar eclipse on July 2nd is, is even more pronounced in this regard because the sun and the moon are, are opposed Saturn yeah. uh, pretty, pretty closely. I mean, it's seven degrees, but it's definitely in there. It, it's a little far even for me with Pluto. We see that more in the lunar eclipse. But um, to me, that is, if I took only one thing away from this eclipse and shared one thing to everybody, it's like, um, yes, move in the move in the direction of heart and caring and caretaking, and it will not be easy. I've spoken to so many clients over the last few weeks who are in a, a difficult caretaking situation, perhaps with an ailing parent 
or with a pet or with a child and lots of difficult decisions having to be made. And there's Saturn kinds of decisions. Hmm. It's hard. And anytime we see the sun connecting with Saturn, I think the moon to some degree, there's this sense of having to do it all alone and people really feeling like at the same time we're saying, oh, don't be such a lone wolf in Capricorn. But we all are kind of feeling like there are some things we're being asked to do that only we can do and that we have to do on our own and by ourselves. But it has to be done in the service of the Cancerian objective, Mm. which is in the service of love and caring and caretaking. But it's still, we have to do that Saturn work. Saturn work. Come on, Saturn. When's the day off? When is the day off? No. And on the seventh day, Saturn said, you must not rest. That's <laughs> no, right. Work harder at resting. Oh, that's so funny. You be doing it better. Yeah. Well, no, I think I, I can even think of a couple clients in my own mind right now that really resonate with the scenario yeah. that you just posed. Um, and, and being that caretaker, I just have a friend, actually my friend who you met at coffee last time we had coffee. Remember she was right. taking off to Colorado to help care for her 95-year-old grandfather. That's very uh-huh. cancer, <laughs> uh, Capricorn um, there. Um, but, and I hear, hear people, you know, like that's another thing that's uh, kind of big, um, and especially when we're talking about care industries and the whole insurance situation and people actually struggling, you know, trying to care for their loved ones, but then having to go through this to turn the Saturn issues of like the insurance, uh, you know, how much it's going to cost? Uh, do I have the right coverage? Am I getting, you know, and so these things are coming up as well for people. And so sometimes it's not even just about having to make the calls and the decisions. It's actually like dealing with blockages in, in the world and the systems that we've created that are affecting our ability to care for our loved ones or care for ourselves or to follow, you know, what we emotionally feel drawn to because there's still the reality of what the world looks like, how it's set up and how we played the game to survive in it, you know? Because caring, when we use words like caring when we use cancerian language we think that this involves you know the the this the gauzy you know lensed scenario of sitting next to the bedside of the of the uh, wilting elderly relative who's still kind of smiling through their discomfort <laughs> it's not like that it's using as i said it's using the stuff that we know from the south node from the saturn pluto be using sheer grit and determination to get through all of that bureaucracy yes. in order to be more effective at caring and taking care of the people that matter to us. That's so true. I can just hear my mom in the back of my head because whenever I was, I was dealing with some insurance issues a little while back and she was just like, you got to be your own advocate. Uh-huh. You have to be your own advocate because they will not, <laughs> they, they don't care. Like they, it's, that's the Saturn, that's the separateness. So we're back right there. So you have to step up and, you know, care for yourself. And that's a very Cancerian thing as well, because, you know, cancer is definitely the sign that needs to be told, put on your own oxygen mask <laughs> before putting it on someone else. Because there's so much you can do as a cancer if you yourself are, are ailing and not cared for. And that's like the, uh, you know, speaking as a cancer myself, like this is one of the, the things that's the hardest to learn for me in life is 
to take care of myself so then I can take care of other people. And sometimes you have to be your own advocate. And a lot of times that takes the grit that you were just talking about of that Saturn to be like, I will stand up. I will, because that's what I'm kind of getting a lot too from this um, eclipse cycle is, is the area, is the nature of boundaries and what those look like. Um, you know, because Saturn can draw that line, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And sometimes we feel like we're backed into a corner with certain boundaries that are put up that maybe aren't our own. Um, but also, what boundaries do we hold within our own systems for ourselves? Uh, do we need to open that up so we can let more of that cancer energy and that heart-centered energy in? And so, it just seems like boundaries opening, boundaries closing, you know, like a lot of like, you know. That. Well, I'm doing this ritual work with, with um, Saturn that we both picked up from Kelly Surtees and a blog post that she did that has been so helpful in me because I'm coming up on my second Saturn return and I'm really trying to sit with Saturn and figure out how to do this as well as I can and to do what I need to be doing. Mm-hmm. So just spending 10 minutes every day and committing to doing that and talking with Saturn saying exactly what is it that you want from me. And when I first started the work, what was really interesting and really unexpected was how much came up about boundaries, but not in the way I normally think of them. Because normally I'm thinking in terms of I have to put up more boundaries. And Saturn was telling me, some of your boundaries are too tight, girl. It's like a spam filter that's getting the wrong mail because you've just, you, your, your, your spam filters are way too stringent. Mm-hmm. So you're not getting messages from people you want to get them from. So I had to learn that, you know, that yeah. it's like, oh, I do actually, it's the South Node with, with Saturn and Capricorn that was really speaking to me and saying, okay, you know how to, okay, you've built really good boundaries. Now let's see if we can just loosen them up a little to let a few more people in that you might really like to deal with. Yeah. You know? So it is about boundary stuff, but it's the same if we talk about, you know, building a wall at the border or whatever we're talking about. It's not something I tend to favor, but, and it's a good example of an erroneous kind of border. It's like, I don't think that's doing what you intend for it to do. do. Yeah. 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 So, cause we, like you just said, you know, you tend to look at, uh, boundaries and a lot of us do, and including myself, a lot of the times is, you know, what boundary do I need to put up? What wall do I need to erect because, you know, it's too much is getting through or I'm not drawing the line or stating what I need to state. But really we, we forget that we have all these boundaries that we have, uh, you know, created probably out of the need for safety if we pull it back, you know, because the only, you know, boundaries are uh, very much a kind of a survivalist thing. You know, Mm -hmm. you got to have boundaries. Essentially, they're structure. Um, Mm -hmm. Sometimes we can structure ourselves to where we find ourselves in a in a house that has no windows, (laughs) and there's just walls around us. (laughs) Exactly, exactly right, and exactly my point. It's you know, I I think there has to be a little more trust, Mm. a little more faith, and that is much easier if you have the perception of the people around you as being family as being friends and not foes. Yeah. And that's the invitation I think that's coming to us. And it's much easier for me to trust that right now, just knowing the simple astrology of knowing the North Node is in Cancer, that it, that's the right way to go. Be more trusting, be more caring, 
uh, open up a little bit more to people. Mm-hmm. You can always, you know, you just keep the screen, the security screen door there at the ready. <laughs> and you can always slam it close if you need to, if the wrong people are coming through. So, yeah. Yeah. Now, okay. So we have this solar eclipse in uh, 10 degrees cancer. Now, I mean, it's extra lunar phase anyways, because we're talking about cancer. I mean, cancer rule <laughs> is the moon sign. Yeah. So there's, there's even more extra extra to the lunar principle here. Um, but I mean, what do you, what do you think about how, because uh, basically Mercury is going to station, Mercury's starting to station at this time. It's going to mm-hmm. retrograde back into the lunar eclipse there. And so do you see Mercury kind of you know, plan into this story or you have any thoughts on that? Mercury's an interesting one. And if you just go back to June 10th, which is not that long ago, a couple weeks ago, we had transiting Mercury conjunct the transiting sun. So the, I think, superior conjunction at this degree, right? Mm-hmm. At 10 degrees of Cancer. So that was the opening salvo. You know, that was the message coming our way. And Mercury's always the messenger. Um, he's, he's also the, um, the psychopomp that, you know, carries people down into, into the underworld. So that's always an interesting thing to remember about Mercury. Um, (laughs) well, it's interesting you say that though, April, because, um, I mean, not to interrupt you, but you actually just played into something about, uh, I don't know if you look at the Saros cycles at all, um, within the Uh eclipses. Well, I just look at Bernadette Brady's book, Mm -hmm. um, you know, That's all any of us do. Do it? <laughs> well, so to play on what you were just saying with Mercury and, uh, you know, kind of being that psychopomp that can go down into Pluto's realm because it's the only God that can, you know, traverse between uh, the above and the below. Um, well, this particular Sarah cycle for um, both our solar eclipse and our lunar eclipse, in Bernadette Brady's book, it is SS3 North. Mm -hmm. they have different numbers that aren't that i don't know that's a whole other thing anyways but so the new moon so basically the sero cycle for this started on october 10th 991 you know (laughs) right way back in there (laughs) this is why i will tend to use the sero cycle only sparingly yeah read her descriptions because she has these wonderful interpretations of the chart for the first eclipse in the series. And it can be hundreds of years ago. And for that reason, I find them super helpful to use in mundane work, mm. a, a, a bit hit or miss when it comes to natal work. Because in natal work, what I want to do is find where it's, where it's hitting in your chart. And yes. it's not, you know, the Sero cycle slips each time it repeats. So it's not going to repeating, be repeating in the same part of your chart. But what does she say about this? Well, well okay. So, and, re- and yeah. then we'll get back into this Mercury retrograde yeah. because I want to hear more of your thoughts on that. But you just, you set it up so perfectly. I had to get in okay, there. Okay, yeah. Um, so basically it's a new moon uh, that is on a uh, midpoint of Mercury and Pluto. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Jupiter is on a midpoint of Venus and Pluto. And it says, this is an over-excessive eclipse family. Its main theme being either news involving young people or news that transforms a situation. This information can cause worry or can cause the person to become obsessive. The individual may want to undertake large plans or activities, which can be very positive as long as the individual doesn't get carried away. (laughs) (laughs) 
what are the chances of that given in this eclipse chart we also have jupiter square neptune which is uh, with us all year yes you know excess is our middle name really yes interesting because other than the eclipse point opposed saturn i think the most interesting part of this chart uh, for the solar eclipse is the conjunction of mercury with mars and early leo and square uranus yes so it's it's kind of an entryway into again you know eclipses are intrinsically to me a uranian energy something's changing and it's a question of what and if we were alert and aware two weeks ago of just little things that were happening around us because mercury doesn't always shout sometimes he just kind of whispers something Mm. you know as something goes by quickly on the tv or something and you don't necessarily pay attention but if we were able to go back and retrace our steps we could say oh okay that was an interesting message that was coming through yeah mercury with mars is not always a super super easygoing kind of energy could have been a a quarrel or a misunderstanding with somebody at that time could have been all kinds of mercury mars things that set the stage for I think this eclipse in a really interesting way. So the Mercury, as you said, will retrograde. And it will do, it will basically meet Mars again, which is interesting because Mercury and Mars are doing their own dance within, uh, within the retrograde cycle. Um, where it's well, and it's interesting. I like what you're saying, like the, what might have come to us earlier uh, in, in the mercurial fashion that might not have been loud and blaring because Mercury this whole time um, is, has been in Cancer for the most part, not at our eclipse chart, but in these, you know, this time leading up to the eclipse and, and Mercury and Cancer being a mute sign and more of a receptive energy, chances are, yeah, it wasn't a bullhorn that was like coming outside of you being like, do this, do that. no, it was just this little <laughs> thing. <laughs> these Love little that's been more recently, you know, with Mars being in Cancer and, and, you know, colliding with a lot of other planets. That's been a surprisingly shouty Mars in Cancer. I know. <laughs> it's not necessarily a sign where Mars is going to cause a lot of trouble, but he's been feeling his oats there. Yes. So that's been the interesting thing. I think that first week of June, you know, between the first and the, maybe up to the 10th, because um, we had a transiting Mars also hit that, hit the eclipse degree on uh, June 1st, mm-hmm. degrees of cancer. So, you know, in terms of when we feel eclipses or when they start to get triggered or something like that, if you just look like three months in advance and you see what was the lunation that was closest to a square to this point, mm-hmm. then you're going to see some activity usually. And that was, you know, back in April, of course, in April and October are the midpoints between cancer and Capricorn. So we had that and, um, you know, that's when you start to really feel it. But Mars is, I think, the one that you will really, if you see that making an aspect to the eclipse point within a couple of months, either side of the actual eclipse, that's when you're really seeing the energy start to flare up. Yeah, I, I agree. That's uh, definitely been, yeah, so we got to watch that Mars. And it's interesting having Mars ahead of the sun there because it's almost like it might, you know, it'll, <laughs> it could take some time before we, Mars starts to activate those points just because of the nature of its cycle right now, not being too far out from the sun mm-hmm. um, and all that. So, all right. So we have that really powerful uh, new moon eclipse taking place with a little bit of uh, Mercury, Mars squaring Uranus. So I feel like, and when, 
you're uh, Mercury about to retrograde. Uh, there is content, I think, that is happening during this, you know, new moon and the eclipse that obviously will be going back over. Um, and it's something that is, you know, shaking up within, within us, outside of us, the life in general, because Uranus, you know, always kind of quakes things up a bit for, uh, you know, <laughs> we know how that works. That's <laughs> at that. It does. And then, so basically we are quaking up until we get to uh, this full moon lunar eclipse at 24 degrees Capricorn. And that's when, it's interesting because it's like the solar eclipse has the the sun and the moon, like we see it. We see it's on approach to that Saturn and that Pluto um, and, and even Neptune, you know, trining into Neptune there mm-hmm. and activating that Jupiter-Neptune square that you were talking about. So we see the, we see this foreshadowing, right? And then it's like the lunar eclipse itself because the moon is at 24 degrees Capricorn. So we'll have already contacted, you know, Saturn, Pluto. So it's almost like the in-between of the, the, the two is kind of where the meat's going to be. I mean, do you see it that way at all? <laughs> yeah, I see your point with that. I mean, that's that's really pretty fraught. And it's on the 16th, is it? Because we have around, uh, maybe when maybe when Mercury gets there on July 12th, mm. the eclipse point, um, you see, uh, no, wait, no, that can't be right. August 12th. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, because the Mercury is going to station direct on the lunar eclipse point. No, I meant Venus. I don't know why I said Mercury. If I <laughs> well, Venus and Mercury, I guess they're all kind yeah. of you know they're getting they're there, all kind of colliding there. Yeah, yeah, that definitely the the point between eclipses as well. It's just usually it's why we call it eclipse season because everything's a little bit unstable. I think the solar eclipse is particularly destabilizing. Mm. Uh, individually and especially on a physical level, mm-hmm. uh, the lo- lunar eclipse is where the shit hits the fan. Mm. And in our relationships with other people in particular, things can get a little bit wild. And this is one heck of a lunar eclipse chart. <sighs> Tell me about it. <laughs> Especially with my own chart. My, my, my own chart, I'm like, I'm about to... <laughs> I'm about to get in the house with the no windows just in case. Yeah, just batten down the hatchet. <laughs> Not really, but <laughs> and you know, we just say, look, if you know, if you're in, you have some relationships happening in your life, you know, because the sun's kind of close to the Venus and the North Node as well. It's like if you have relationships in your life that are skating close to the edge, or where something needs to change, yeah, something will happen to make it change it doesn't mean it has to end but it does mean that it can't go on the way it's going yeah because that lunar eclipse is like so we have venus so at the lunar eclipse on july 16th we have venus conjunct the north node so venus is trying to push us in that direction that that forward motion that cancer energy but it's exactly opposite saturn and the south node and obviously going to go on to the pluto uh pluto after that and so i mean and, and like April just said about the relationship component, because really any full moon or oppositions in general are just going, they're going to bring in other people. They're going to bring in yeah. considerations that are outside of yourself. And then of course, having the planet of relationship, then, you know, getting opposing the wall, <laughs> you know, that Saturn energy. It's, it's, yeah. The kinds of questions that I just know that I'm going to be hearing from people and from clients have to do with, 
um, I'm in this relationship and they just won't let me in, you know, or I, you know, they're just there too much and I need them not to be there so much. All of this boundary stuff. <laughs> Boundaries. And, and with a really creepy Pluto element to it as well. There's just no sugarcoating this one. There isn't. It is, there is change. I think all change is ultimately for the good when it comes to eclipses, but this one, this is a bump in the road that's going to be um, pretty difficult. And by then, Mercury, of course, is retrograde. And um, so none of it will be new again. And mm. we'll all shout right back to the eclipse on the second and say, remember that thing about... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> remember well, that fight we had on the second? <laughs> well, it's back. Well, and that's the thing is I see this eclipse as kind of like, um, you know, these these delayed time results like um like a you know capsules or even tea like tea as a caffeine it's time released kind of yeah. and, and like these x you know a little um doses almost and so it seems like that to me like we get the dose at the the solar eclipse we get the dose at the lunar eclipse we get another dose when mercury stations direct after its retrograde cycle on the lunar eclipse point so we are building a story here and so maybe that kind of speaks to um because as we as we wrap up our little segment here about kind of tips to work with eclipse energy and this axis in particular i would say um just in just in reference to these timed releases like, and Mars being in Leo, (laughs) you know, like it doesn't have to be, um, we don't have to play the drama card too hard, especially in the moment, because there's going to be things that happen throughout the span. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And some of the work goes on under the surface. Yes. You know, I think with cancer. Yes. um, As it backs up into, as Mercury backs up into cancer. so. Yeah, it's it's a tricky one though. And I think you say it exactly right. It's a story and look at it that way. That it's not, sometimes people get very um, preoccupied, especially with the first eclipse that happens in a series. Because mm-hmm. that's the one everyone's talking about. And by the second one, everybody's kind of forgotten about it. <laughs> this is where the news is. You know, this is the one that's actually going to wake you up. So, you know, this kind of whole period really that started this month as Mars has been doing this strenuous work with Saturn and Pluto and, um, and the nodes is just kind of opening up this whole long story that's playing out to some extent over the whole summer, really. Mm-hmm. And we're really at the middle of it now with these eclipses. So, yeah, a little bit of patience, you know, I, I think that cancer can play the long game. Yes. And, um, and really so can Capricorn. (laughs) Yeah. But it's, it's hard. And I think a lot of us are going to be feeling very misunderstood and very hard done by and very alone and very lonely and all of that moon and Capricorn stuff. Yeah. Tell me about it. (laughs) Just have to be nice to each other, you know, and just try to be a little sweeter and try to try to go out of our way to, because the thing that happens when we get too much into our own misery mm. is we forget, you know, there are other people out there that are having lives and issues too. And the thing that always tends to make you feel better is giving to somebody else. Yeah. You know? um, and especially if you find yourself in a position where you're feeling like, why won't people give me blah, 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 blah. Find a way to give that to the world because then at least the energy is being experienced. 
Mm-hmm. You can't make the world, you know, if we learn nothing else from a lunar eclipse with the moon conjunct Pluto. Yeah. So we can't make the, the universe give us what we want. Right. <laughs> However good at magic we are. <laughs> this is a pretty good magical moon, actually, but... You know, I'm uh, laughing because uh, my partner who went on to the airport today to, uh, to do to leave for work, um, mm-hmm. he said he had an Uber driver who the whole time he was in the car, she was talking about manifestation and how to magically manifest things in your life. So I'm laughing as you're talking about like this. <laughs> and you know what? I'm, a, I'm pretty much a believer in that. Yeah. You know, I think that's got its place. And I think more and more, actually, I found myself in the last year as I'm speaking with clients who have truly intractable problems because mm-hmm. I do send them to magic. I, you know, I say you've got nothing to lose Yeah, because really what you're doing in magic is you're shifting your awareness and you're shifting your perspective on things. And that can only be helpful. So to, to get through this particularly difficult one, that that's definitely one I'm keeping in my arsenal. And we can see that now I don't pay a lot of attention to eclipses like in aspect to the natal chart, I'm not going to look at trines or sextiles mm-hmm. because the nature of eclipses is the nature of crisis and trines and sextiles do not tend to bring crisis. Mm. But if I'm just looking at the chart itself for the full moon and we do see the sun trying Neptune and the North Node trying Neptune and Venus trying Neptune, um, I'm saying, yeah, there's, a, there's kind of an argument to be made there for the magical element of things. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I, I, do, I definitely think so. And especially in relation to the Jupiter square Neptune, just the transit this whole year and what you brought up earlier, because in the nature of our stories, because, uh, you know, that Sagittarius, that Sagittarius, that's the story, you know, that's what, that's our, our big story here. And, and Nept, tap, tapping into Neptune there, I think a lot of us are tapping into, you know, what it is that, you know, what's our ideal look like for life, what it is that we dream about. Um, how does that ideal actually play into maybe some illusions that we hold that need to be, you know, and, or maybe do we hold certain illusions for our story or uh, certain self-doubts or uncertainties? And, you know, because Neptune can hold that anxiety um, a little bit because of the unknown element to it, uh, especially if you do dream of things that are, are, you know, have visions for yourself, but you just don't know how to get there. And so I think it's a lot of playing with our stories right now. And maybe some stories drop off and dissolve into that Neptunian, you know, that sandcastle. But then other part of our stories are aligning with the magic, like you're saying, um, and having to look at the magic of life and realize that sometimes it's not as cut and dry as maybe that Capricorn, um, Saturn type of energy wants us to look because I want to say it was Michael Luton and I could be wrong, but he was like, just saying that, you know, like Saturn's essentially a trick because it's like tricking us into seeing what reality is. But, you know, it's like reality is what you make of it to some extent. Uh, So, and I think that's very telling with Saturn Pluto coming together too. Yeah. Because Pluto is very nihilistic. Mm -hmm. It says nothing has any meaning. And so the thing we have to learn from that is it only has the meaning we bring to it. Mm. So let's bring everything we've got. Let's bring our whole game, the Jupiter-Neptune. But the other part of Neptune that we tend to forget and gloss over as modern astrologers, even if we're practicing traditional astrology, is the element of grief and loss and pain that can accompany Neptune. And I feel it's important to say it because if people are feeling it, and, you know, an astrologer has not given voice to that. They might go, well, where's all this beautiful Jupiter, Neptune, Sun, Neptune stuff? It's like, 
you have to find it to some extent in the pain. You have to let yourself connect with the things that have disappointed you and made you sad and let yourself cry and let yourself really, really mourn the things that you've lost. As culture, I find myself doing that with all of this coverage about 50 years since we landed on the moon. I'm really feeling this keenly. I was very young when it happened, but I can remember it. And it makes me mourn for our society. Mm. It breaks my heart about where this country is compared to where we were then and the beautiful promise, the thing that we represented to the whole world. And that's gone. It is gone. And that is Neptune breaking my heart. But that means the heart is open. And if the heart is open, all things are possible. And if the heart is open, we bring the meaning to life that Pluto and Saturn can never offer us. Mm. Mm. Yes, that's a way, it's a, such a backhanded way, right? That life <laughs> serves little things to us. And I totally relate to you or with that because it's so funny you brought that up because honestly, like earlier this week, I was going over in my mind, I feel like I was betrayed from my childhood. <laughs> very, you know, I feel like I was betrayed as a child in the 80s here in America because what life looks like on the other side of that. And like that, you said that promise um, that was, was given um, to some extent yeah, I feel like that sandcastle and it's just like all drifting away. But mm-hmm. honestly, like you say, like the heart, the only way we can really tap into the heart and the power that is there a lot of times is through that grief and that loss. Because if we don't have the polarity of the two, we can't really feel either end of the spectrum. The and truth. so, you know, that's part of what we're going through now in many ways as a culture, collective, but in our own lives as, you know, life moves on, things fall away, we attach to something new. And so, um, yeah, just giving, giving a moment a moment of silence. This seems very Saturn, right? <laughs> uh, giving a moment of silence to things that have transitioned in your life or that have, have left or for whatever reason. And, you know, as we shift into this, a, a vast new story that is brewing on many levels um, for people in general and in our own lives, because we're so quick to move on to the next thing that if we don't stop and honor the transitions and the changes that our lives have, because back in the day, you know, like 300 years ago, if someone, you know, if, if something very significant happened to your life, whether it's a birth, death, you know, marriage, whatever, that was taken a lot of time to like honored, celebrated, you know, but now we're just rushing on to the next thing, you know, and we, we're, we're tripping on ourselves and we're tripping on our emotions in the process. And if we don't give ourselves uh, that room to maybe tip the cup, I like how Stu says to tip the cup, um, his 12th house moon, like never cries. Right. But sometimes if it just comes, he's like, I got to tip the cup because it's overflowing. It's too much. And now we have to release that and let that through to, um, yeah, anyways. Um. Well, and, you know, we have to remember Saturn, Neptune, or sextile each other this year. Right. You know, we're looking so much at Saturn with Pluto. We're looking so much at Jupiter with Neptune because those are the big shouty, hard aspects. But Saturn and Neptune are friends this year. And they're seeing, you know, it speaks of that stuff about permeable boundaries mm. and about how, how the two sides of our natures need to support each other. You know, um, to be secure enough and safe enough within ourselves because we've built strong uh, infrastructure within ourselves to let ourselves feel that Neptune. 
It's like, what is with all this fear and this terror yeah. in our society? It is, and I think it's like this disowned Neptune stuff. And Neptune, it also represents the scapegoated minority people. Mm. You know, that's always been Neptune's bag as well. So, you know, the two days, it's like, wow, what is the, what is the story there? What are we so afraid of if we open up a little bit and we're a little nicer to each other? Does it, does, you know? Well, and that's the Jupiter component from Sagittarius that oh. are saying like, yes, you need to, uh, uh, you know, open more to other cultures, open to people that aren't like yourself, be yeah. willing to embrace the foreign. And uh, that is part of the challenge here. And then that taps into the fear, like you're saying. And, and mm-hmm. ask ourselves, why, why are we even f- afraid of this as people? Whether it's like, the cultural thing as we're talking about, but even in relation to uh, aspects of our own life that we are held down by certain fears or oppression that we put on ourselves. Why are we scared of that? Can we, can we shine a light on the fear so then we can dissolve that and get on with our lives? <laughs> We think of Neptune as this deceptive planet, but I think all it's really trying to do is get to the truth. Mm. It's just you've got to get through that cloudiness and the ways in which you allow yourself to be deceived because it feels better, frankly. Mm. It feels safer, you know, to be deceived. And Neptune says, no, to be alive is to be open to everything and sensitive to everything and letting yourself be touched by everything. And it's big and it's hard. Mm. Uh, I'm like, I love it. I don't love that, but I love, <laughs> I like what we touched on here because I mean, I think that's, you know, that's some meat to what is going on uh, at this time and really this year in general, uh, you know, to put in your pocket and some questions to ask yourself um, as we all navigate this energy together. So uh, you're, you're not alone, people. We're, we're all in it together. We're right there with you, you know, and the more we're right there with each other, with these eclipses, the better off we're going to be, right? Yes. And so I think that is a good ending note right there. Uh, <laughs> I agree to you, Mel. There you go. Sit <laughs> <up about> ones. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you know, we're, we're going to hope for the best for eclipse season because it's trying to get us somewhere. And that's, you know, that's just the nature of the planets. Life moves on. Change is inevitable. It is what it is. Uh, so, yes. That it is. That it, it is. is. It is. So, all right. So now, April, you have to tell us where we can find you. And also, don't you have an eclipse report you do or things? I like do that? sell an eclipse report to people, which they can find on my website, bigskyastrology.com. And um, it, there's all kinds of stuff there to read about eclipses and uh, a report that I sell that's based on your birth chart and it shows the cycles of you know past years when eclipses were activating near these same degrees and therefore activating the same houses of your chart as this year Mm. the same planets in your chart as this year and just going back and it's kind of like a little workshop on paper where you really kind of go back through your own biography and say oh what happened during these years and sometimes it's a bit of a process sometimes you have to think about it um and not all eclipses are huge for each person personally but it's kind of a cool report. I haven't seen anything else like it. And it covers three years worth of eclipses and, and gives you all that. So you can find that. I'm also on social media, Big Sky Astrology. Just, you know, tag that on to the end of any social media platform and you'll find me there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so I will definitely have those links to get to April as well on my own blog sites. If you want to go check out those, those eclipse offerings, because this has been a specialty of yours for many years. 
and so yeah so yes this report has evolved over time you know as my thoughts and understanding that eclipses have so i'm I'm pretty proud of it i think i think people find it useful and it's just a nice meditative tool yeah through this season so yeah All right. So, all right. So where can you find me uh, where I'll have April stuff as well? Well, you can find me at energeticprinciples.com and on Facebook and Instagram, like kind of like April at Energetic Principles, wherever you go, it's going to be that. Um, And then, you know, if you think that people need to know about this upcoming eclipse season and this cancer Capricorn energy, or really if anybody has cancer and Capricorn in their chart, because, you know, we spoke a lot to the polarity just in general, um, you, you know, spread the good word, share with a friend, leave a a somewhat nice, a kind Cancerian review on uh, (laughs) whatever platform you listen to. We're leaving, we're leaving meanness behind with the South Dodi Capricorn. So only nice. Nice, nice. nice. And I don't want you to lie or anything. Just if you feel compelled, (laughs) hopefully. Yes. Um, And then of course I have my Patreon. If you'd like to support the podcast over at patreon.com backslash energetic principle. Um, And like April, I also do consultations as well. So there's all that. So many things. So many things to dive into Astroland, but <laughs> all right. Well, we'll let April go get some rest with her poor little sinuses that are dubbed uh, all. But I thank you so much for being here today and being just being you because. Oh, well, thank you. And it's always fun to chat with you. And, um, and thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Always, always. All right, everyone. Well, you know, wishing you a fabulous eclipse season. Of course, I'll be back next week. Probably talking more about it, but. <laughs> Oh, well, all right. So, all right, everyone have a fabulous week. And as always, may the stars be with you.